Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can you actually meet an older version of yourself in waking life? How real are dreams? Can angels die? Hello and welcome to the 853rd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and those varied questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures, and dad, Paul. I, I, I want to change dad to pal so we can get more more alliteration in there, but you know I'll, I'll work that in unbeknownst to you. So today we bring you an open line show uh, to answer your questions on so many paranormal subjects and we welcome your calls today the number is 401-766-1240 that's from anywhere or email paul at behind the paranormal.com or you can contact us via facebook twitter or instagram and we welcome back our favorite guest co-host to help us do all that shane searway hey everybody i hope everyone's doing well in this crazy world we're living in right now yeah really yeah huh <laughs> All right, so yeah. let's get right to it. Now, wouldn't you know, and, and then this is unusual for me, I'm usually very careful about this, but I, I left it at, in my desk at home the, uh, the questions that came in most recently from Facebook, because a lot of questions come in over Facebook. Mm. However, uh, I do have Facebook on my phone, and I, I can go back to a few of these things. So let's uh, very appropriately begin with... Um, Questions from uh, our dear listener in Bogota, Colombia, Peter. And uh, Peter's first qu- I'll give this over to Ben in a minute, but his first question is, any follow-up to the San Anselmo UFO case from your June 14th show? Several people wrote in about that, and we hope to have our show reporter, uh, Rick uh, from uh, California, calling in uh, with perhaps the witness to this to add uh, some further depth to the, the plot here, because other things are happening. So, Ben, if you could, uh, in the meantime, let's um, go to number two, seeing the balloon in the middle there. Sure uh, question from Peter. Okie dokie. Uh, so, Peter also writes to us, uh, hooded entities turned up in various cases. Has anyone seen uh, what is under their hood uh, that they don't want to reveal? Uh, Shane, you want to start off on that one? Hooded entities. Has anyone seen what's underneath? Um I have not ran into that on any of my cases. I have ran into the um, hooded entity uh, several times, um, where my, you know, the the people I've helped had. Um, I've seen maybe a couple times what appeared to be like a hooded entity. Never saw what was underneath. Um, I am aware of one popular case where that was that did happen. Um, they made a little show about it. Um, I think it appeared in a couple shows, but where uh, the family was being tormented by this hooded entity uh they'd see it in the hallway standing in the doorway and then i think eventually they end up seeing a face um but that's the only case i'm aware of and i've dealt with a lot of cases but um but never no not i mean other than that one show well it's funny uh, this comes up because you, just yesterday uh, i was uh, participating in the uh, just as a, as a as an attendee uh to the uh, consciousness and contact uh, summit uh, online by via Zoom, uh, organized by our good friend and uh, sometime co-host Kathy Marden, uh, and uh, also with Denise Stoner, who was a well-known guest on the show. And uh, there were several guests. It was a five-hour uh, event with uh, 35 people participating about. And there were a number of things that were discussed that included hooded grays. 
And at one point, there was an illustration shown uh, from a witness who had uh, awakened and seen this hooded figure by her bed, and she could see the usual gray alien t- type of face underneath the hood. Uh, that said, I, ca- I have to kind of agree with you, Shane. Um, there have been some hooded entities. I'm thinking then of the clerics, whom we've run into in some cases. Uh, they often will be hooded. Uh, sometimes they will wear, I, I have seen, they sometimes will wear masks over their faces. There's a photograph of this. But they do that when they pray. Uh, th- that's what we seem to have found. So uh, there may be or, uh, nothing or there may be <laughs> something interesting under these hoods, but uh, those are the only occasions that I'm aware of where things have uh, have um, uh, been revealed, so to speak. Uh, hooded entities, in my experience, are not that common. Uh, very often they're just, um, uh, it may look like a hood because you're looking through the veil of a... Um, the plasma or was a good play whatever. on words. You know, what's that? That was a very good play on words you yeah. had there. Oh, thank you. You have to explain it to me later. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I don't know if there's anything else to be said on that, but we have a third question. Uh, oh, I wrote it down. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, so you can, can, I, can I add to that, too? I Actually, I was thinking more on, like, you know, the paranormal realm, even though it's all kind of linked, you know, but um, I did have run-ins as a child with um, gray, two small gray, and then one tall one that wore a purple cloak uh, in a, with a hood, and I could see its face. Okay, I, I was I was thinking more on the other end, but yeah. but it's all kind of linked anyway. So it depends on the case, and it may vary. So that's yeah. The thing. And um, uh, okay, and uh, we have a, a third question from um, Peter here, and uh, I'll d- Ben's on the phone with uh, our our first caller here, but I'll just. Say, do this very quickly. How did your show get on CBS, and why did it stop there? Well, yeah. Well, uh, in 2009, about the same time we came on this station, we'd already been on the air for a year out of a Phoenix-based internet station, and uh, CBS uh, had started a, uh, a branch called uh, the Sky Network, or I believe it was the, called New Sky Radio. N- New Sky Radio, right? New Sky Radio, and it was meant to concentrate a lot of the paranormal. Uh, shows and psychic shows and all this stuff in one part of the network. Well, a lot of it it, had, it was mostly it was HD radio. That was that yeah. was the big that was the big thing, um, which is is uh, highly impractical mm. uh, because it's it's uh, it's it, it just it it sounds good in a certain area and a certain radius, but then once you get out of that zone, it's just complete static. So it just it just didn't make sense. So it, it it was only around for a few years, and you know it didn't really take off. It was meant to it was meant to sort of it it just didn't take off. Well, they paid us pretty well. So I'm not going to gripe, but That's true. <laughs> but w- there were two anchor shows, uh, as I understand it. Uh, there was us. Uh, it was also behind the paranormal, although it was a different edition from what we were doing here. And uh, there was the the uh, Para X show uh, with the the Jones brothers. Yes, and, right uh, after us. Yeah, and we actually did uh, a couple of joint shows with them on the Rendlesham case. It was very interesting. So it was fun while it lasted. It was only in four cities, Boston, uh, two stations in Pittsburgh, uh, Seattle, and Detroit. Mm. So we can say that for a couple of years we came blasting off the, Pru- the Prudential Tower in Boston at 50,000 watts. Mm. <laughs> anyway, on Sundays. So anyway, so, so it was cool while it lasted. But it did earn us a humongous audience that has followed us, apparently, uh, to um, our uh, show here, and uh, even though this is a little station in Northern Rhode Island, we have a, hum- a humongous uh, 
global listenership. And thank you all for sticking with thank us. Thank you all. And thank you also for those who are listening on the the uh, uh, Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live and also on TuneIn.com because we have a big listenership there. Anyway, uh, who do we have on the phone, Ben? Uh, well, <laughs> it's, it's uh, our, our show reporter. Oh, Rick, have, Rick Eno. Rick yes. Eno, for, who is a relative. And uh, we important part of the firm here. here. <laughs> yes, we could finally reveal. So, Rick, uh, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Ben. Good to hear your voices. Yeah, uh, and uh, you're here to answer our, our Peter's first question about what's an update on the San Anselmo case. Okay, well, first um, let me say that also on the line with me is uh, Andrew. He is the actual uh, witness in the case, and I'm going to have him update you from his aspect. So Excellent. Have, uh, that piece. And then um, I'll give you what, what's been going forward so far since, since the report on my end. So um, the case I'm talking about is the drone case, I'm calling it, uh, back from 2019. Okay, uh, just, could, you, could you just slow down a little and speak directly into the phone? Oh, you know what? Hang on. Let me fix that. Yeah. Hang on. Okay. Please wait. Please wait. <laughs> <laughs> is this better? Yeah, that's fine, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to update you from what happened uh, since uh, they, I reported on the August 2019 drone case that we saw. Just to recap, it was seen in three different counties throughout the day. And during that time, uh, the, the physical description matched. Uh, so there was in Butte County, the Q, and then down in Marin over San Anselmo, which is Andrew who's on the phone. Um when I did the research that I could to identify that case, um, it it didn't have an explanation, so it went down as a UFO. What what a missing link was, and we're trying to, finish, to catch right now, is that one of the witnesses who reported it to New Fork um, had a drawing, and we wanted to get our hands on that drawing to match it to see what Andrew had and the other case had in terms of, of pictures and video. Um, we haven't been able to get that from New Fork yet. We're still working on it. Um, so that's where that piece stands. But if we do get that piece and the, the vehicles uh, are, are similar, uh, we have something more to go on. So okay. that's the update on that case. I can tell you one other thing. In that corridor that we talked about, that's that corridor going from San Anselmo and Marin County up through um, Mount Shasta and so forth where there's a lot of military bases. There have been a lot of sightings, a lot of reported sightings of group observations of, uh, of objects. So they're seeing things in six, seven, eight, nine, ten uh, small groups uh, flying erratically. And then there's also reports of orbs. So, so we're continuing to focus on that area, and it's really fascinating in terms of what we've got so far. And when I, do, when I call in again, I'll have a more updated uh, scope of what is uh, what's happening with those other cases because I, I, I want to do them justice. Yes, okay. In the meantime. Very good, Rick. And Andrew, um, okay, well, well, thank you both. Uh, we'll plan on having you on soon and please uh, stay in touch with each other as I'm sure you will and, uh, you know, keep Rick informed and he'll he'll feed info to us and we'll, uh, we'll get it done. Absolutely. Um, uh, Andrew has had some other experiences that we'll be reporting on. Okay, so yeah. Like it may be time today, but if Andrew, does he have time to talk? Uh, talk yeah, about? sure. Okay. Andrew, why don't you go ahead and tell him what's happened? Sure. Well, since the, uh, the sighting on June 9th with the um, 
with the uh, sphere over my house and sort of the rod of energy. I, I didn't understand what it was at the time, but uh, sort of uh, demised that it was more of a rod of energy. Um, I put some trail cams on my roof, and I've been capturing some really compelling evidence. Um, you know, quite a lot of spheres, um, Tic Tacs uh, flying over the top, um, an L-shaped craft, and also a long gold object with sort of stepped platforms, and they had blue panels underneath. And it, it could be mistaken as something um, something uh, unusual, but there is another craft that's flying above it, much higher on the same heading and looking exactly the same. So, and this is a lot of these are only captured in infrared. When you review the footage, the video footage, um, nothing appears. But they, the actual single photo in infrared. Um, they only appear there. So, and then I've also captured um, a swarm of about eight to twelve craft in um, in a ten-second capture. Uh, and I've also experienced uh, an object flying over power lines uh, when I was playing golf last Sunday. And um, when I pointed it out to somebody, it actually started to move down away from the power lines and then drop down behind the hill. This was in Nevada. And uh, it's, it's just all of a sudden I'm, I'm seeing objects and things that I've never actually experienced before. So it's uh, a little unnerving, and um, I'm trying to figure out what's going on, but yeah. it's fascinating all the same. Yeah. Uh, Shane, do you have any uh, comments or questions here? Um, other than Mount Shasta area, I heard that brought up um, very strange area. I've been researching that for a while. Um, a lot of strange missing, you know, pe- people disappearing for, with no logical explanation out that way. Um, and but just all in all, like I'm getting a lot of reports from from people all around the United States that are seeing a lot more activity in the sky, a lot more of these orbs, a lot more of these uh, discs just appearing um, in clusters. And um, actually, there was just, I was just sent one yesterday, um, a, a video right here in my town, similar to what I had witnessed, um, where these three just appeared and they were moving around and the people, of course, were freaking out and um you know, but uh, definitely um, out that way, that Mount Shasta area is just, we, we need to go out there and <laughs> there's a lot happening over there. Yeah. Ever, ben, any thoughts? Uh, I, no. I, I, okay. I, I've, I've been, um, I don't know, I've just been, I've been taking it all in. Yeah. Yeah. This Matter of fact, that tone that we played that that um, resulted in us having a tone played back to us from some, un- you know, unseen thing um that tone was recorded from mount chassa actually the one that we played yeah that's referring to the pennsylvania events of a year ago a little over a year year ago may okay very good all right fellas we will look forward to hearing from you uh, again soon and uh, you know stay in touch and we'll get you back on when uh, you know we have more to report okay okay thank you rick thank you andrew Okay, uh, we already have, we all already, already, we also have, uh, a report from Donna in Connecticut, our show reporter who lives literally at the heart of the Litchfield Triangle. She may be calling in during the second half hour. But, um, I just, I couldn't wait to read this. This is really in- interesting. Uh, had an odd, ex- this is from Donna, had an odd experience last week when I saw, uh, <coughs> excuse me, my grandson in the field down across the brook. 
Now, let me explain who the grandson is. Uh, he was he's 14 now, but he was four years old when we, when we started this case. And uh, there's a video on the Facebook page of our show, Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And uh, the first video uh, there that's available is the video we took after this young man, then four years old, told us that his invisible friend, Ashwar, was in the tree outside the house. Now, we'd been filming a pilot with a New York film crew that day, and it was dark and really, really cold, November of 2010. And we went out, and Ben and I just, just sort of pointed the um, our infrared camera up into the tree, and we got this very, very strange tadpole-like thing coming down out of the tree and then disappearing. Uh, was that Ashwar? I don't know. Uh, but th- this is the young man, to, and he's, he's a very remarkable young man. I saw him last year when I was visiting his home, uh, which is separate from Donna's home. And a uh, very, very amazing young man, uh, all kinds of amazing paranormal experiences he's had really all his life. So anyway, uh, Donna writes that she s- saw him down in the field uh, across the brook on their property. And uh, Donna continues, same clothes. He wears these smiley face PJ bottoms and a black T-shirt. Was kind of just sliding along toward the brook with his head looking down, moving slowly. Then I realized he wasn't visiting us that day. Uh, he turned slowly and just glided out of sight. Uh, seems uh, just a sort of a seemingly innocuous sort of event here, but um, I would look forward to her calling and, and maybe saying more about this, but uh, apparently a site of, of um, perhaps a multiversal event. Uh, many of these things involve bilocation, seeming bilocation. Uh, we get lots of reports from listeners that come in and say that they, they walked into their kitchen, for example, and there they were sitting in front of themselves, like in the island in the middle of the kitchen or at a desk or something, this sort of thing, uh, the doppelganger phenomenon, as, as it's been known in literature. So um, I want to go to Shane on this in a minute, but just to finish what Donna has written in, uh, quote, I am doing more of the EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, since I offloaded about two years' worth and gave it a rest. This is in her, her house, which is at the center of this triangle. Uh, they were slow at first, but now coming back into full steam. Uh, got proof of a fire death. Last name, town, and cause of fire. Found out we knew them, and I asked what the cause of the fire was, and he said cooking on the stove. His widow posted a couple of mo- months revealing uh, th- what happened on the night of the fire, and she said she, he fell asleep while cooking on the stove. One of their twin daughters died with him, and she got the other one out. I had no details of them really, just relatives of someone I know, uh, never knew they had lived, uh, where they had lived or their last name. So anyway, we are doing well. <laughs> That's not your usual message, but um, I mean, who knows what's behind these sorts of things, but that's typical of that area. Shane, any comments on this? Yeah, like you said, typical for that area, but um, yeah, I mean, Donna has seen, Donna and Bob have seen so many different things on this property, um, you know, could be from, you know, any any time, um, any place in time, and, um, you know, that the one with, with the apparition that appeared to be Dale in the backyard, that was really interesting, especially, you know, where she said it seemed to be just gliding across the, you know, the ground or floating almost. And, um, but very, uh, I mean, she, she's seen aliens in the house, you know, standing, sharing the same space as her vanity, standing within it. Yeah. Um, so there's just no shortage of the strangeness, uh, that's going on. Yeah, we, we have photographs of some of this stuff. 
Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, so uh, okay, uh, Shane, uh, now uh, you have a question from a listener who sent it to you and uh, a very interesting uh, hooded figure here. Yeah, uh, go for it. If we run into the break, we'll just take a break and go back to the question. All right, so it's our, from our listener, Rick, um, over there in uh, Illinois, I believe, at uh, Chicago area, I believe. And he's uh, You've communicated with him as well. Um, but he says, it's kind of long, but I'll, I'll go as fast as I can. Hey man, hope all is well with you and you, and your family during this crazy time. I'm having a bit of a problem, and I am not sure who to talk to about other than you and the two Enos. I have PTSD, not from military service, and I have an entire toolbox of things I do to help me battle against it. Meditation was a huge part of my arsenal. A few years ago, I had a couple experiences that have scared me out of meditation. I can't ex- I can't concentrate, and I just have a general fear of doing it altogether. I was lying in bed one day, getting deep into a meditation. I would say it was probably the deepest I've ever gotten. All of a sudden, it felt like I had dropped out of my body. I was lying on my bed, and it literally felt like I fell out of my body through the bed and landed on the floor underneath my bed. I felt an actual impact as I hit the floor, like my teeth clicked together and everything. I remember thinking in my head, oh my gosh, you you, you messed up. Now you're out of your body and you can't get back in. Why would you, why would you do, why do you have to screw around with things like this? I remember reaching up, trying to see if I could pull myself back in or something and Eventually, I opened my eyes, and I was starting at my ceiling back in my body. I have no idea if this was a real thing that happened to me or not, but it was real enough to scare scare me. The other incident was around the same time, possibly within a few weeks of each other. I was sitting up in bed, this time kind of in a lotus position. I was getting pretty deep into a meditation again when all of a sudden the vague image of a face just intruded into my mind's eye. It wasn't my own thought at all. I couldn't make out any details of the face except for I got the feeling it was female. It was as if someone pressed their pressed their face against a piece of cloth, and you can just get a vague, blurry image of a face. It shocked me right out of my meditation, and I almost fell backwards in, in bed. Ever since those two experiences, I've been afraid to meditate. Again, the few times I've tried, I haven't been able to do it. I know that you dabble in shamanism, and to me that sounds like a possible shamanic experience. My question is, why would this be happening to me? I'm an Italian, uh, an Italian uh, guy who lives in Chicago. This stuff doesn't run in my family, and I have no ancestries or family history of, the, of this whatsoever. My, my mother has had a similar experience when she was a teenager where she felt like she floated to the ceiling or her bedroom and she could actually feel the cold drywall of the ceiling against her cheek. I would really like to get back to being able to find peace with within meditation again. I'm quite open to these experiences, but I would just like to dip my toe in first before I go diving in. Do you have any advice for me going forward? Any mental exercises that you may do with when this stuff occurs? Also, I do not mind you using my name or sharing the story with Mr. Eno on his radio show either. Also, any possible literature on shamanism or shamanic journey that I could maybe read would be incredibly helpful as well. I really don't know what to make of all of this, and I really don't know if these experiences I had were even real or if it was just my mind playing tricks on me while I was in an altered state of consciousness. Thank you in advance, sir. So this was Rick Herms or Hermes um, from Chicago. 
and there's more to it, but I guess we could start there. Sure. Uh, okay. Uh, well, why do you go ahead, Shane? I mean, he sent the question to you. you. You know about this stuff too. Yeah. So I was going to get back to him, um, and, and I wanted to give it more time to to kind of go over because he sent me some more stuff that I've been remodeling my home, so I haven't really had a time to really give it a, a good. Good thought, but um, but uh, you know, I actually asked him, you know, was he going through anything troubling at the time in his life? And he, yes, indeed, he was. Um, so that's where I wanted to start there because that obviously our emotional state of being plays into a lot of this stuff. Um, it, it plays into what we attract towards us, um, you know, like the parasites and and um, in our energy level and, and what we align with frequency wise and all that. So, um, I, I, so I got the emails back from that. He says I definitely was under a lot of stress at the time definitely lots of personal turbulence i was he was meditating to help uh, um, elevate himself to help you know with that the stuff he was going through um so and then he, he emailed a lot more but um definitely um i think that played a lot into what happened and not i don't think um, necessarily a sh it was a, sh a shamanic you know experience per se i mean or i mean you know shamans are into those states uh, as well but I, I don't think um, you know that really had anything to, to do with that um, but I think more so where he was emotionally played into what his experiences were um, and the, the whole floating feeling the cold I've done that when I was ill I a childhood Ill, illness and, and I end up doing the same thing like I couldn't anything it was all white and I, you know, I could feel cold and um, and staring at myself and that's happened a few times in my life I, mean, I do understand uh that um but but yeah definitely um really big in that meditation really looking forward to your your answer on that oh, okay well before well, we do that we're going to take our break uh at the bottom of the hour here you're listening to behind the paranormal with paul and ben eno and our special guest co-host shane searway on WON twelve forty AM and ninety nine five FM in New England. There's a real New England's a really hot Blackstone River Valley today. And uh, we'll be right back, so stick with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to the Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade. The finest in late night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific time at thekingdomofnigh.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? Local and live at 99.5 FM. And we're back with Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on 1240 AM and 99.5 FM, WON Radio in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And we are having an open line show today uh, with our special guest co-host, Shane Searway. He just asked a very, very fascinating uh, question and a series of comments from Rick in uh, Illinois. Uh, in the meantime, though, we've had a caller from uh, our... Right? What? No, no, uh, oh no, no. That, the first Rick was from California. The second Rick is from Illinois. Oh, there's another. Ah. The, the, yeah, the, we're we're beset with Ricks today. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. Too many Ricks. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, there are a lot of worse things you could have to mention. Anyway, uh, Donna, uh, welcome back to the show. Donna is our show reporter from Central Connecticut, right at the the heart of the uh, on the front lines at the uh, Litchfield Triangle. And uh, Donna, I have to tell you, I couldn't wait uh, to, to deal with this fascinating. 
uh, material you sent, so I kind of read your um, Facebook po- your Facebook message. Uh, but but why don't we uh, extrapolate on that? Uh, how, first of all, how are how is everyone doing over there? Oh, we're doing good considering the circumstances. The yeah, circumstances really. With the heat and the masks and everything, yep. but we're doing good so far, hanging in there. Good. Well, I find it's endlessly fascinating this sort of apparition of your grandson. Uh, could you could you re- relate that again and tell us uh, what you think of it? Well, I don't know. You know, it's it's the first time I've seen something like that. They we were expecting my daughter and him uh, to come to the house, and they hadn't arrived yet. So I was out in the back porch with the dog, and I happened to look down across the brook into the field, and there I see what appears to be my grandson. And same size, he's got the long curly hair now, and he had the, the he wears these smiley pants. They're very distinctive with yeah. the big yellow circles. And it, the way he was moving was strange. It was he was coming toward the brook um, with his, his back away from me, and he had his head down, and his arms weren't showing any walking movement. He, you know how you see in these these uh, videos, like on YouTube, remember, where you see something and it's like moving unnaturally, but you but it looks real. Yes. And um, I, and my first thought was, how did they get here? How did he get down there so fast? And, you know, it's like within a split second, your brain's going, well, why is he here at it? So I looked through one of the windows, and there was no car out there. And I turned around, and I watched, and he just very slowly turned and took, like, two steps, and he was just gone. And he didn't go through the behind the trees. Those pants would have stuck out, like, you know. And he just, he was gone. And then within ten minutes, they came. And it just it just kind of shook me because I wasn't sure even what the word is for when you're seeing somebody that is not there but they're there. Well, it is there, I I would say, but perhaps and not in the normal manner that we would expect it to be there. You know, um, I know, I perhaps know. looking across a world boundary to where he really was there. You know, that's our interpretation, uh, fellas. What uh, Ben and then Shane? Uh, I, I think it's I think I think it's super interesting that it was near the brook. Oh yeah, I've, I've, I yeah. found that yeah. that very interesting. Right. Um, you know, because you know, water conducts electricity, and so that's that's actually a really fascinating sort of detail that really stuck out to me personally. Because at any time that anything sort of happened around, you know, the uh, the, the the sort of the the farmhouse there, it's always been somewhere where there's sort of a lot of electrical activity. Um, that's always been sort of a sort of a thing that uh, a, a running theme throughout all of it. Which is, you know, maybe it's it's sort of conducting something. You know, that's part of the. <laughs> it's a very vague sort of thought, but that that's sort of where my my brain is at right now. Uh, Shane, to you. Yeah, same same here. So when we first started, well, when I first started, you guys were going there long before I was. But um, then I, I first thing I do on all my cases is I take a look at the land before I get there. Uh, based on the input that I get about the the, the case, and one thing th- that um, is present on their land is, as well as some of the other very highly active um, cases that I've done, are all s- surrounded or have a river or stream nearby. And um, Don and Bob's house have three distinct bends that point towards the house and bent away. And so the most, and I, I don't think I've ever talked about this aspect on, on shows before, but what I've noticed over all these years with these cases that are, are fueled by these rivers and streams is a restriction in the water flow. So a bend in the stream 
or an, an area where it bottlenecks or a waterfall. So where there's a restriction or a change in velocity, there seems to be a lot more activity. Hmm. So um, that has been, without a doubt, I mean, over over all the years I've been doing this, um, I wrote an article in the late 90s about water and how it how it pertains to the paranormal and stuff like that, and I've just built on that. But that was one, one observation that just, I cannot deny it's there every single time where there's a highly active house that has, you know, not, I'm not talking about something weird that happens once a month. I'm talking about constant strangeness like their house and all these other ones um, all have rivers or streams, but mostly it's that bend or restriction or a change in velocity of the river um, that really seems to be the most active homes or properties. Yeah, no, no I, I. You know what? You know what? No, go ahead. Don. I was just going to say, Shane. Um, now that you mention waterfall, this is so weird. Right above where our property starts, which isn't too wide down there, there is a waterfall. Um, there was a pond there, and there was a original cut stone dam, um, and it was the water came over with enough velocity when it was full that um, you could actually fish for trout underneath it, and it dropped about fifteen feet. And I haven't been there in a while; it's just not that far from uh, where you cross the brook behind our house. Oh wow! I, didn't, I wasn't aware yeah. of that. Well, one of the, one of the things uh, I wanted to ask Donna, Donna, I, I see that you're having a new roof put on. You're having some work done on the house. Has that stirred anything up? Oh, uh, you know what? Actually, it's so weird because uh, for most of the summer, I, I know, you know, I, the, the, the EVP thing is, uh, you know, subjective with people who who believe in it or don't. But um, it had been very, very quiet all summer, um, and I kind of fell off and everything. I offloaded about maybe 1,500 EVPs that I had gotten over the last two years uh, just to clear them out and get them off there and save them. And uh, it was very quiet, and I got very few. It was very flat. There was no background noise whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, um, the roof went up, and we had five guys up there banging, banging. The house was shaking and everything. The very next night, I went on, and I was ready for bed, and I thought, let me throw a couple on here and see what I got. And I got those explosive booms. Now, mind you, the house was dead quiet. It was like midnight. Nobody was up. Nobody was here. There was nothing on. I closed all my apps. Everything is gone. It's just that recorded. And I got these explosive booms. And it's been continuing ever since. And it's almost like the microphone has picked up double the um, the input or something. And then it's now it's with the mumbling in all the rooms. Mumbling, mumbling, mumbling. And it, you don't even get up and look anymore. You know the house. But... It's just like it sounds like somebody's talking constantly, 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 you know. And I'm getting just so much more. I mean, it's just clear and it's loud and it's booming. And it's almost like like you talk about the multiverse, like the, the bubbles that are breaking. It's almost like these bubbles are enhanced and you can hear them breaking. And, and the voices just come flying out of the end of these, these large explosions. And I just think, I just, I mean, it's just, I got like 30 of them in one night that were just so... I mean, there they were, you know, and I, I don't interfere, talk, or say anything. I just hit record, 15 seconds, hit, you know, stop, hit record again, and then, you know, I just go through them and kind of mark them, and then I go back and listen to them, and I make sure if, if it doesn't sound right, I get rid of them. But it, there has been, like, a literal explosion. The atmosphere is different. The sound is different. The background, everything is different. It's just weird. It's like something is just not... Something is either clicking or it's just, it's been disturbed, and it could be the roof, yeah. Oh, uh, comment, Shane? 
Yeah, well, as far as like the recordings and stuff like that, um, I was just thinking when she was talking, when we were doing the investigation portion for uh, the Haunted House Diaries book by William Hall, and we were over there, and um, I was, you know, he wanted some of that for his book and everything, so um, so when I was, the recordings I got, um, and this is true for a lot of other active um, properties too, you know, it, it, like the ones I'm talking about with the rivers and streams are really active ones. Um, was so we would have the recording and it, it, it'd be quiet, and, and a lot of times it it starts off like there'll be a ping, ping, and, or yeah. or like or a high pitched noise, and it's like something changes in the atmosphere, ping or a pop. You know, it's either one or the other, and then the voices come through. It's so something changes in in the environment um, or atmosphere, allowing this stuff to break through. Just like she said, and, and the same is um, with with a lot of the poltergeist cases. A lot of times you'll hear a static snap in the house, yeah. and then act- activity will take place. It's the same thing with these these voices that she's talking. About. I, I experience it with my recorders, and I use several different ones as well. Um, but it's the same thing. So something changes something crosses and then you know boom and these things start coming through well it's the thing too no go ahead Don. no i was just gonna say you know me i don't interact with anything i refuse to i did have two interactions um that i couldn't help myself with and if you have a moment i'll tell you what happened um we were having a lot of noise here one night you know banging and you know just the normal household stuff that we get here in this house at night when nobody's up or anything and um I finally sat in the chair and I, in the corner and I said, you know what, my name is Donna and I live here. And I was doing a couple, you know, just a couple of recordings and on the second one, a man comes in and he goes, Donna, he goes, nice to meet you. <laughs> so, yeah, my first thought was, you know, possibly it's a seance in like the 1800s and they're pulling me through from the future. You know what I mean? Or somebody yeah. somewhere else is so excited to get an EVP and I'm it, you know, and it's kind of weird, you know, you, you get in, you delve into this, and then my dog, I mean, Shimmer, nobody knows my dog's name, we, we have a nickname for her, and um, I was getting this breathless young woman, her voice, her voice, and we rescued our dog from Oklahoma City, and she was only three, I think, at the time, and we left her name with her and everything, and I kept getting this very young woman, and she'd come on and she'd go, she's a girl, and somebody would go, oh, because they interact with each other, wherever they are. And she kept it up, and she kept, oh, shimmer, my shimmer, my shimmer. And she was taking these deep breaths like she couldn't breathe. And this went on for like four months. And one day I was on the back porch, and I just was standing there with my back against the well out there. And I said, you know, I just want you to know. I said that we have shimmer. I said we rescued her. She's safe. We love her. Everything is fine. You know, there's no problem. And I said, someday she'll be returning to you as your dog, you know. And, um... It stopped. It just automatically stopped. And it went on for months. I didn't hear a word, hear a word. And one day I went out and I said, I wonder whatever happened to you. I came back in. It was the same woman's voice. And she goes, it was the tumor. So, you know, I mean, it's like you, yeah. And 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 the way she was breathing and she had this very soft young, and she was gasping and gasping. And I'm actually now, I can recognize voices when they come through. I don't know who they are. I've looked up more darn obituaries, Paul, than you have no, you have no idea. Well, we're and, about to say know, vintage, just, so I look at a lot of them, too. Yeah, I know it, but I mean, I'll get a full name, you know, like Admiral so-and-so, or, you know, I get these weird things, you know, my sh- my parachute failed. Well, obviously, you know, you're, you're, you're talking to me on this, obviously, your parachute failed. 
you know. Yeah. And um, my, my, my ex-son-in-law passed away December 1st. He was an alcoholic. And um, I was sitting here one night, and it came on, and it just said, um, it's Dale. He says, I'm dead. He says, I don't drink anymore. And that was it, you know. And it's just, it's weird. It's like their last thoughts, their first thoughts afterward, you know. One guy came on, he goes, I've been cremated. He goes, that's healthy, right? <laughs> and if he was, I guess it is. I, I don't know, you know. Well, but, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, we got all kinds of quantum entanglements going on here. People sharing consciousness yeah. all over the multiverse. You know, concepts yep. of death are very slippery. I don't think there is any such thing. And uh, we, we could we could do another whole show on this, but I'm afraid we're going to have to yeah. move on. But Donna, thank you for calling in. Always amazing to hear what's going on over there, and we hope to get there soon. Uh, after yeah, all we'll this get, stuff blows we'll over. Make it. All right. Yeah, when things blow over, we'll, we're here, hopefully. <laughs> right, well, well, love to everybody. We're going on 16 years of working oh, on the I case. Oh, I know. Wow, huh? So, yeah, wow. Well, very good. All right, he's well, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Yes. Very good. Bye-bye. All right. Okay, Bye. now, we don't want to neglect uh, Rick number two's question from Illinois uh, about the meditation. And it's funny, Ben and I were talking about this sort of thing before we went on the air today. Actually, yeah. Yeah. And so, Ben, do you want to um, address Rick's uh, concerns there? Oh, sure. Um, you know, we were we were we were talking about this, you know, prior to, and you know, I was kind of mentioning that there's there's many different types of meditation. I, I think I think it's very, uh, what's the word? Um, I, I think it's dangerous to assume all meditation is the same. So, you know, you have different styles. There's, you know, one that was very popular, which is called Kundalini Meditation, which is about going to different planes or dimensions of existence. Then you have Zen Meditation, which is really about emptying the mind, which is very different. And then you have various forms, um, you know, for lack of better words, from Eastern Christianity, which is all about, uh, which is referred to as the prayer of the heart, which is is very different, which is sort of meant to um, sort of, it's meant for self betterment, really. It's kind of where the the sort the sort of the source of that, which is kind of you know focusing on the core of your being, which essentially is kind of what most meditation is, right? At, at the end of the day, really, it's kind of centering yourself in in something somewhere. So, uh, you know, having been well versed, the well relatively well versed in in different forms of it. I can tell you, Rick, that from experience, there are you kind of you kind of have to figure out what you're trying to achieve, right? So that's that's kind of rule number one: is okay. Well, if you're if you're attempting to sort of work on you know um, psychological issue, psychological, emotional, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder stuff. I would recommend don't do kundalini type meditation where you are attempting to sort of leave your body. You know, it may seem involuntary, but there's sort of a, a part of you that's focusing on, okay, well, this is what meditation should be, which is sort of transcending, you know, the sort of reality you see around you, which can, you know, lead to things that are dangerous and terrifying. Whereas, you know, simple, you know, it may seem like, oh, well, you know, I do deep breathing, this is what I do, this is kind of what happens. You know, the, a lot of it is, is as I said, very much based on what you bring to the experience and what you're trying to bring to it. So my my first recommendation would be, um, you know, just very very simple. Focus on your breathing. You know, don't close your eyes. Just focus on something in the room. You know, when we went to the Providence Zen Center 
for a while, you know, when, when we when I first learned about Zen meditation, they were like, "Don't close your eyes." You know, a wise monk once said, "That's like lighting a wet match in a dark cave, because that just doesn't. You're not going to see. You're you're basically blinding yourself to reality as it is." And in in this instance, you know, it's it's all about centering yourself where you are, right, and seeing what's there. So in this sense, focus on something in your room, whatever it may be, you know, whether it's the floor, a chair, something, you know, just keep it simple and just focus on breathing. And the mantra they taught us there was, you breathe in, clear mind, and exhale, don't know. And that is a very simple thing to focus on, because I think with different forms of meditation, especially with some of the more new agey things, they want you to kind of like, oh, well, you know, picture this, envision that, visualize this. And it's like, that's... that. It's helpful sometimes. It's helpful sometimes. But in some cases, it can be very dangerous because you do get to these instances where you leave, you could potentially, you know, have these experiences that you've had that are terrifying and they make you not want to do it anymore. But if you focus on a simple mantra and just focus on breathing and clear the mind and just focus on your muscles relaxing, it's a very grounded experience. And that's the thing that is is most necessary. You know, I was thinking about this but while while Shane was talking about it. You know, people say, "Well, you got to ground yourself," but they never explain what it is. Right. You know, they just say, "Well, you got to you got to do it," and it's like, "Okay, well, what what is it?" And then when you ask, you're like, "Well, you just do it," and it's like that's not <laughs> that's that's just kind of cyclical logic. In my opinion, grounding yourself in this instance would be f- just focusing on something in your room, and that's that's what you focus on. You know, some people will say, you know, they, they sort of envision, you know, sinking roots into the ground as if you're a tree. You know, I, I think I think that a lot of this sort of envisioning stuff can, can like I said, be very dangerous. And it, you have to really be careful of, of what you do. So in this instance, keep it simple and just breathe. Because there's so much noise and just so many distractions. And there's just always something going on and just something to distract you but there is nothing more helpful to one's mental state than solitude and there's a difference between isolation and solitude i will say there's a very very big difference solitude um sort of insinuates you know in insightfulness into oneself really a lot of self-reflection whereas isolation sort of refers more to you know sort of um um a nebulous state of of sort of being like overly um, um, self-deprecative and and just like very, very sort of depressed, you know, kind of like, uh, I can't remember what the word is for it. But essentially, you know, you get kind of down in the dumps. But find, your, find, a sol- find solitude and silence because there's nothing more helpful to the human spirit than just silence, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's the scariest thing for most people today, silence. So I would just, uh, I couldn't improve on what you said, Ben, except just to add that uh, there's been a question for me always of where you meditate. And I address this in the book Turning Home. That, I find, matter of fact, just a few weeks ago, I was at a case in Rhode Island, and the people were having issues with uh, an elderly mother uh, who was uh, sleeping in a certain part of a room. And it was definitely energy coming up out of the ground uh, in the basement and uh, outside and right up in the corner where she was sleeping. And I prescribed a few other things, and uh, I'm going to be contacting them this week. Should things not have improved, I'm going to advise them just to move the bed to a different part of the room. 
So where where you sleep, where where you live, where you meditate uh, is is a relevant question. There is uh, something to feng shui. That yeah, is, that is there very is much energy a thing. flow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, for example, um, things can happen in meditation that, that can be unexpected. But I think the best thing uh, that we can tell Rick is just to keep it simple, as Ben said. You know, uh, Shane, uh, anything further to add? No, that's that's perfect. That is perfect. Okay. Well, you can't expect uh, anything better than perfect. I guess. So uh, <clears throat> we, I think, have time. Maybe one more quick question here. Uh, Shortest hmm. ones are always the longest. Yeah. I, I know, uh, but for those who okay, here's a really short one at the end from Peggy Ray in Seattle. What is your favorite color? Yeah, actually, uh, yeah. Uh, let's. This is the very last one there. Uh, Peggy Ray writes to us. Uh, I have read Lovecraft's collected letters, and he obviously detested religion. You, on the other hand, are obviously believers. If you were talking to Lovecraft about God, what would you say? Oh, my gosh. Uh, that's not 25 words or less. <laughs> I told you, the, the shortest one is... <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I would ask... Uh, Lovecraft was, a, was a, a distant cousin of ours, and my father... According to my mother, had corresponded with him, although she threw away all the letters. I that's, almost yeah, divorced kinda, her for that. Uh, we're talking about H.P. Lovecraft, the uh, uh, writer of horror and fantasy from Providence, Rhode Island, who was uh, known as uh, the Alex, I suppose the uh, Edgar Allan Poe of the 20th, 20th century. Anyway, uh, 1890 to 1937. Uh, we, I would say, okay, okay, Howard, uh, what God don't you believe in? Because I would always say that you have to, uh, with intelligence and discernment, decide what not to believe in, just as with intelligence and discernment you should decide what to believe in. I think that they both have to be intelligent decisions, all right? You don't just reject stuff out of hand. And we, we encounter that kind of thing all the time in paranormal work. Yeah. Well, I don't believe in this. I think, well, why not? You know, or how do you know that you don't have information that might uh, change your opinion? So I would say, what God don't you believe in? And most likely he describes, describes some daffy thing that I don't believe in either. Uh, I've had a lot of dealings with people who claim to be atheists, including four of them on their deathbeds. Uh, that, that w- they were not a pretty picture, because as death goes, because they, they were all terrified. And every single one of them asked me about God on their deathbeds. And I, I said, look, just... Don't worry. Just be grateful. Say thank you, and then you'll never have to be afraid. I mean, that, that's and Father Alexander Schmemann, one of my teachers, a great Orthodox thinker, said that anyone capable of gratitude is capable of salvation. It's very, very, very simple, you know. So, uh, and I think um, Lovecraft and I might have had. Uh, I, I wish I'd been able to have conversations with him on that. So I don't know. That's all I can say about it. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, again, believers don't, don't. It doesn't mean you believe. Doesn't mean I still believe what I was taught in the seminary, in the same way, uh, or even at all. Some in some cases, it doesn't mean that you 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 go to church and believe everything that's said by the priest or the minister or or the imam or the or whoever, you know, the rabbi. You know, it it means that you make an intelligent decision to respond. To the obvious presence of the Godhead, and I, I just, I, I, with all respect, I have never. There have been a number of great thinkers, including Stephen Hawking, who um, I believe was more of an agnostic. I mean, I can respect that, but people who are supposed to be intelligent and miss the whole point of the universe by being atheists, I can't respect that. 
How intelligent is that? I mean, I think there's a lack of intelligence. That, but that's me. I don't know. Anybody else have anything to say on that? How about you, Shane? Yeah, before we go to our announcements. No, I, I pretty much agree with that. So I'm just going to repeat what you, what you said pretty much, though. All right. Okay, well, in that case, on that uh, divine aspect of the question here, we'll go to our announcements. Yes. And, and uh, Ben, take us away. Sure thing. So as we've been announcing on recent shows, the 2020 Exeter UFO Festival on Labor Day weekend has been canceled, unfortunately. But the 55th anniversary of the incident at Exeter will not go unsung on this show. So on September 6th, the day uh, we would have bro- we would have broadcasted from the... Uh, uh, ex- historic Exeter Town Hall with a panel of speakers and a live audience in a row, we will offer a rebroadcast of last year's panel uh, show from there. And on the panel were Kathleen Martin, Peter Robbins, Mac Maloney, uh, Mike Stevens, and many other luminaries in the UFO field. Uh, the following week, September 13th, uh, we'll bring you a very special guest, retired FBI agent Clinton Rand, who, as a Hampton, New Hampshire police sergeant in September of 1965, was on duty at the police department desk during the incident at Exeter. Took in the whole thing. Uh, that involved UFO encounters by several of his officers. And we have uh, high hopes that we can be back at the Greater New England UFO Conference in Lemonster, Massachusetts, on Columbus Day weekend. Uh, my dad is scheduled to be the keynote speaker uh, to mark his 50-year work anniversary in paranormal research. So... Uh, early congratulations. Uh, there are uh, plans for an online conference if it cannot be held at the usual physical venue. Uh, and you can look for Shane there as well. Uh, now, we have no final word on this next event yet, but rumor has it that another UFO event that takes place in October will indeed do so this year in the vicinity of Danbury, Connecticut. So stay tuned, literally, uh, on that one. I think we're coming down to the wire here, Ben. Yes, yes, So uh, yes. Sh- just quickly, Shane, what's going on with you? Not much, not much, <laughs> not much at all. Well, so we're doing been, this, so that's something. Yeah, so, yeah, um, you know, I've just been doing a lot of shows here and there. Um, you can, you know, Google me, YouTube me, and doing a lot of shows, not a lot of conferences, as no, nobody is. Um, and I don't really have any scheduled that I'm aware of, um, except for maybe Connecticut, but I haven't got the official go for that one. Um, but, yeah, that's that's about it. All a lot right. of shows. And uh, trueghost.com, right? Yep, TrueGhost.com. Okay, so Ben, what uh, what's going on next week? So next week uh, we will bring you a show on July 26th. Uh, we'll bring you the renowned uh, British UFO researcher and author and blogger Nigel Watson uh, to take us through the history of UFO investigation, which, you know, weirdly, I don't think we've ever actually done. <laughs> I, I think what we've touched on it. We've never done a whole show on it. I think it's a cool subject, though. Yeah. So anyway, we'll leave you today with a thought from person or persons unknown. When the world says give up, hope says give it one more try. So I'm Paul Eno. I'm Ben Eno, and we still have a few more seconds here. All right, well, there we go. Uh, Feel free to visit our show website if you want to check out any of our podcasts. We are on all podcast platforms. Uh, Feel free to give us uh, any sort of rating, subscription, and Shane, take it away. I'm Shane Stairway. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. Everyone, be safe, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now.